Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. It's time for Come and Talk It with your host, Michael Cargill, brought to you by Texas Law Shield. Over the last decade, Michael has championed and supported the rights of law-abiding Texans to own and use firearms. He is the owner of Central Texas Gunworks, a veteran of the United States Army, and has achieved national exposure in such prestigious media outlets such as Forbes Magazine, Fox Business News, CNN Money, AOL, BBC World News, Huffington Post, and the New York Times. Cargill vigorously defends lawful gun ownership in this country without regard to party politics. And now, here's Michael Cargill. Good day, Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world. Let's praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. Guess what? We won. We won. That's right. We beat the federal government. That's right. Our case finally, that's right. It, it went to the Fifth Circuit in New Orleans. And it was heard in Unbunk, and we found out on Friday, January the 6th. Zach, what was January the 6th? Why is that date? Oh, ring? that fateful day? That fateful day. That bloody fateful Of all day. days, it was January the 6th. We heard from the Fifth Circuit that 13 to 3, Michael Cargill versus the Department of Justice and the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, we actually won the bump stock lawsuit in the Fifth Circuit. Is that uh, their way of just sticking it back to them, maybe? That's how you stick it to the man right there. <laughs> Let me tell you. All right, so uh, yes, uh, so we won this case. And so what does that mean? Does that mean you get your bump stock right away if you're in Texas, Louisiana, or Mississippi? Uh, not so quick. What not if it's chopped up with a Sawzall? Not so fast. So leave it in the ocean or where you have that boating accident. Don't dig it out just yet. Leave it buried in the backyard. Uh, you know, don't don't touch it just yet. Don't disturb the ground. Let's wait until the government, the government's going to have to, uh, they're going to have to request a stay and appeal this hearing. Uh, that will appeal it. And then if the Supreme Court takes it up, then we wait for the Supreme Court to hear the case you know, release their findings or announcement or whatever, and then we'll find out then. If the Supreme Court denies, you know, here in this case, then Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, we get our bump stocks back. So we'll see what happens. But you know what? I'm not the legal expert. I'm just that regular old guy that's upset, that's angry, that <laughs> that's, you know, that's saying, hey, someone help me. I need an attorney to help me to fight against the federal government. So let me bring in my attorney with the NCLA, uh, Rich 
Samp Rich. Welcome to Come and Talk It, sir. Well, it's my pleasure to join you, Michael. Absolutely, sir. So, you know, Rich, you know, tell us about the, you know, this bump stock lawsuit, the Michael Cargill versus the uh, Merrick Garland Department of Justice, um, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. You know, what's your take on this? Well, as you mentioned, the vote was 13 to 3, so that's pretty decisive. Interestingly, this is the second time the case got before the Fifth Circuit. It originally was heard by a three-judge panel, and as you well know, we lost three to nothing in that panel. But then they agreed to rehear the case in front of all 16 judges on the court. And uh, I thought it was somewhat ironic that the only judges who supported ATF this time around were the three who voted against us the, the first time. Every other judge uh, voted in our favor and against uh, uh, ATF. Now, uh, as you mentioned, however, this is not final. Uh, the Almost surely, the uh, ATF is going to ask the Supreme Court to hear the case. And there now have been two federal appeals courts that have issued final decisions on this issue. Uh, the Earlier in uh, 2022, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia uh, issued a ruling in favor of ATF. Uh, and so the, the vote is now one court to one court. There have also been a couple of other cases that uh, the uh, courts preliminarily issued rulings, but, but those really aren't final. But when you have decisions going both ways, that sets up the circumstances that mean that almost surely the Supreme Court will agree to hear the case uh, in order to resolve the conflicting decisions. That that assumes that ATF asks the Supreme Court to do so, but I would be su very surprised unless they do ask for further review. Okay, so we have the case of the GOA, Gun Owners for uh, America. They have a case going against the federal government. So where where does that case stand? Well, that case was brought in a different federal appeals court. That case was brought in the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Sixth Circuit in Cincinnati. Okay. And uh, the Sixth Circuit issued a decision the last year in which they said, we can't make up our minds. And the reason they couldn't make up their minds was that the 16 judges on that court were evenly split eight to eight. So that case went back to the district court in Michigan uh, because the 8-8 to -eight vote was only on what's known as a preliminary injunction. So now they have to have a perhaps a trial or some sort of a final ruling from the trial court, and that case would then come forward. So that, means, also, that, so that means that the Michael Cargill case is the only case that's actually had a trial. That's correct, yes. Uh, the case from the District of Columbia, they didn't have a trial, but that's because the three judges on that court said, we think ATF has such a strong case, they can win even without a trial. So uh, I guess you get maybe get a sense of how the, the uh, judges on the, the D.C. court tend to rule. Mm. Um, I'm more optimistic, however, that uh, uh, we'll get a much fairer hearing when we get to the Supreme Court. Interestingly, that D.C. case did get up to the Supreme Court once before. The Supreme Court denied review in the case, but
Justice Neil Gorsuch issued a lengthy opinion in which he said, well, we'll let this issue percolate a little bit longer in the lower courts, but frankly, I think that ATF is all wet. I think that uh, their bump stock rule is wrong, and when it finally does get up here, I intend to uh, vote in favor of, of people challenging the rule. So we know we have at least one vote at the Supreme Court. All right, so that's Rich Samp. He's my attorney with NCLA, and he's representing Michael Cargill versus the federal government of what the for the bump stock lawsuit. We won that case in the Fifth Circuit, 13 to 3. We come back from the break. We're going to talk about what is the definition of a machine gun. We also have some guests inside the studio. We're going to talk about rare breed triggers. We have Lawrence Domenico inside the studio. We're going to talk about that and more. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Peace, this is Mark Ture. You're listening to Come and Talk It Radio with Michael Cargill. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. That's right. We're back and we're talking about the bump stock lawsuit. We're talking about Michael Cargill versus the Department of Justice and the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. That's why right. we won. We won our case. Our lawsuit, 13-3 against the Garland in the Fifth Circuit. That mean, This means that bump stocks will be legal if the government does not appeal and or ask for a stay in Texas, Mississippi, and Louisiana. In order for this, for bump stocks to be legal across the entire United States, the, the, United, the United States Supreme Court's got to take up this case. They have to take up this case and hear this case and rule on it in our favor. And then the United States will be able to benefit 
uh, from having their bump stocks. So we got to push this to the Supreme Court. We need the government to appeal and and move forward, and then we can win. And I think we're going to win. Just hang in there. You know, we 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 win some, we lose some. You know, there's some stumps, there's some you know some bumps in the road. But you know what? You got to hold on and hold firm. You know, I've, I've had people tell me, you know, Michael, why are you doing this fight? You know, you know, back when we, you know, when I was thinking about it in 2017. They say, why are you doing this? You're not going to win this. You know, you're going against the government, the, you know, the federal government. There's no way. And I said, no, there's got to be a way because this is not right. We've got to do something. Someone's got to stand up. And so we decided to stand up and NCLA answered that call. NCLA said, you know what, Mike, we're going to represent you and we're going to we can push this forward. And we think that we can win this case. And we won. You know, we went to the first court, first federal court, Austin, Texas, and we lost that case. We appealed the case to the Fifth Circuit. It was heard by a three-judge panel, and we lost that case. We appealed the case, and it went to the, the Fifth Circuit again in en banc. It was heard in en banc in front, in front of the entire court, and we won. Now we need the Supreme Court to hear this case so the entire United States can benefit and have their bump stocks back. And basically, it's not about bump stocks. For me, it's not about the bump stocks. For me, it's about saying that a federal agency cannot create law. You're a federal agency. You can't say that something that I legally own and purchase in my home legally, you can't just come, you know, one day, 10 years, you know, two presidents down the road and say, you know what, that's illegal. We're going to confiscate it and we're going to turn you into a felon overnight. That's now how the United States was founded. That's now the basis of this country. And so I said, that's not right. You know, what, what has to happen is Congress. You know, you've heard of that schoolhouse rock song where Congress says, you know what? This is how a bill becomes a law. You know, you know, someone writes a bill. You know, everyone votes on it in the House. The Senate goes to the president. The president signs it and becomes a law. And that's what happens. That's how a bill becomes law. That's how laws are made. Not an agency within the federal government changes their mind because the wind blows to the left or to the right or forward or back and decides to just go the opposite direction. That's now, it ha that's now how it happens. So we have Rich Samp with NCLA. He's on the phone, and he's telling us about, you know, the bump stock lawsuit, the Michael Cargo versus Merrick Garland in his official capacity. Uh, the U.S. Attorney General, the United States Department of Justice, Stephen Dedelbach, I have that wrong, uh, in his official capacity, Director of Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, we're, we're, we sued them in federal court. And so Rich is telling us about what is the definition of a machine gun, Rich? Well, the definition of a machine gun is very clearly set forth in a federal statute. And what it says is a weapon is a machine gun only if a single function of the trigger results in the weapon firing automatically more than one shot. And what happens with a bump stock is you attach it to a semi-automatic weapon, and it only fires one shot if you pull the trigger once. You have to do a lot more than just simply pulling the trigger once to make it file, fire more than one time. And, and so that's why it really is not a machine gun. And the uh, ATF issued a regulation in 2018 that said, yes, 
we'll call this a machine gun, even if it doesn't really meet the definition. And that was what was struck down, was that new regulation. All right, and we have some questions for you here in the studio, because we have inside the studio uh, Lawrence Domenico. Demonico. Demonico. Thank you. You know, <laughs> Zach's going to keep me in the right place. Demonico. Lawrence Demonico inside the studio. He is the president for Rare Breed Triggers. And so he has a couple questions for you. Hey, Lawrence, welcome to Come and Talk It, sir. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, Rich, I wouldn't be surprised if you are familiar with my case. I've certainly heard of it, yeah. yes. Yes. Uh, so we originally took up the case in the Middle District of Florida. Uh, we ended up getting dismissed uh, without prejudice in the Middle District of Florida. Uh, we then refiled in the District of North Dakota, and we were recently dismissed for venue reasons out of uh, North Dakota. Uh, we are preparing to refile now, uh, but then I found out about this decision, and uh, that really, uh, this decision that came down on Friday, and that has really uh, change things. That's moved the needle quite a bit. So we've got to wrap our heads around that and figure out how to, you know, shift fire before we move forward again. But specifically, I've got lots of questions for you. Uh, so this decision, this decision, I mean, it, it's quite a bit to read. I've read it three or four times now. I'm still processing things, but they go so far as to really explain the difference between function and pull. Um, which is fantastic. I mean, there's a lot of good information there. But end result, this decision that throws the bump stock rule out says it's, you know, null and void. What specifically should people take away from this decision? So if they say the bump stock rule is null and void and the bump stock rule is a part of 479, does that mean 479 is thrown out the window? A portion of 479 is thrown out the window? Can you kind of a little deeper than just speaking to the average Joe. Like, can you really explain it a little bit better? Sure. The, the, the final rule issued in uh, 2018 adopted a couple of very specific regulations, one of which was 479.11, and that is the one that redefines what a machine gun is. So the likely outcome of Friday's decision is to invalidate only that regulation. The rest of 479 would not be directly affected. Okay, that makes good sense. Now, that has changed, and that has significant impact on my case because it was single function of the trigger turned into single pull of the trigger, which turned into single pull and anagalous motions. Now it's single continuous pull and anagalous motions. So can you talk to us a little bit and explain, well, it, in my opinion, you know, that if they couldn't tie the statutory definition to a product, well, you know, they, they attempt to create legislation through executive fiat by just expanding that definition. So single function, which refers to the item, the mechanical item itself and how it operates, and then it's single pull. Well, pull is an external force applied to the mechanical item, the trigger, by the shooter and then single continuous pull and so forth. Can you explain that a little bit? Well, first of all, there are types of bump stocks that probably will not be affected uh, by this decision on Friday. In particular, the Aiken accelerator 
which has mechanical parts. It has a spring that causes the uh, main portion of the weapon to go forward and strike into the to the uh, uh, trigger finger. That probably is going to be held to be a machine gun. Uh, now, would that fall into similarly fall into the category like a minigun, that a minigun has a button and the button actually becomes the trigger or uh, something of that nature, like the Aikens accelerator, because that's what's that's what you're holding. That's what you're using to function moving forward. And, and it is functioning automatically that the Aikens accelerator becomes the trigger. Is it similar in that case? Yes, uh, certainly there are a number of cases where people push buttons to make the uh, the weapon fire more than once. And to me, those weapons clearly are machine guns because in those cases, the trigger is the button. Right. Now, the Aikens Accelerator is a little bit closer case because even though it has a spring, it is true that every time the gun fires... It's only because the trigger bumps into the trigger finger a separate time. Right. Now, the Aikens accelerator case was decided based on deference. Now, I don't. I know that deference is a is it's a it's an issue of its own, and I know the Supreme Court has been looking at that for a long time. But that's complete completely separate issue than the one that we're currently you know dealing with. Well, the the decision on Friday talked about deference quite a bit. And eight of the 16 judges basically said that when you have a statute that primarily is criminal in nature, that there should be no deference to the interpretation of the government. Rather, what you do is you just do your best job of interpreting the statute without any deference to what uh, executive agencies have said. And, of course, if there's any ambiguity or uh, there's some confusion, then the rule of lenity would apply. All right, we come back from the break. We'll finish that thought there. Uh, thank you, Rich. Uh, we come back. We're talking about the bump stock lawsuit. We, we won. We're winning this fight. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talkin'. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. 
It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is high. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to AtBat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. We're talking about the bump stock lawsuit. We're talking about Michael Cargill versus uh, Merrick Garland in his official capacity as U.S. Attorney General. We're talking about... Uh, United States Department of Justice, Stephen Dettelbach, in his official PAC capacity as the director of Bureau Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. We're talking about the bump stock lawsuit. We're talking about the federal government saying, hey, you know what? I'm saying the federal government cannot create laws, what we're saying here. Uh, We have Rich Samp. He's my attorney for NCLA. Rich, what am I forgetting here? Well, one of the issues that's going to arise now is, are people entitled to compensation? Because during the course of um, at least, what, three or four years now, people have had their, their bump stocks taken away from them. Even if they get them back, in the normal course, course of events under the Fifth Amendment, they would be entitled to compensation for the value of their property while it was improperly taken away from them. Mm. Now, there have been a number of takings clause cases before the uh, what's called the U.S. Court of Appeals uh, for the Federal Circuit in Washington, which, which deals with these sorts of claims for money against the federal government. But they have been decided so far on the assumption that the rule is valid. If it is ultimately held invalid by the Supreme Court, that greatly strengthens the hand of those people who are seeking compensation. Nice. All right, so I've got another question for you, Rich. Uh, Reading the decision on Friday, and I've read it three or four times and really trying to wrap my head around it, but I didn't, although deference was spoken about many times, um, I didn't see any mention of uh, West Virginia versus the EPA. Can you tell me why that didn't show up? Well, West Virginia, the EPA, didn't say really anything about Chevron deference. It was based on a new concept uh, that the Supreme Court has has been espousing in the last couple of years, um, which basically says that uh, when you have a major question that the assumption would be that if uh, Congress were granting major new authority to an agency, it would say so explicitly. Uh, and the presumption is that uh, that if Congress hasn't given that authority, uh, the presumption is that it didn't give the authority. So in West Virginia versus EPA, the question was, uh, did EPA have this broad authority to basically wipe out uh, the power industry in terms of uh, coal-fired plants, and uh, the the Supreme Court said, no, they don't 
have that authority because that's such a major change that if Congress had wanted to give that authority, they would have said so. Uh, I, I don't think that the major questions doctrine is at all implicated by our case because whether or not a new fairly minor device like a bump stock uh, is going to be banned is not such a, a major question that, that uh, it would have to have been spelled out explicitly. Rather, what you do is you look at the statute and you do your best to interpret it, which is what the Fifth Circuit did, and it interpreted the statute our way. All right, great answer. Thank you. All right, so uh, let me bring into the conversation a little bit Mark Maxwell. Mark is uh, he's one of the founding members of the RW Arms. Mark, welcome to Come and Talk, sir. Mark, can you hear me? Mark Maxwell. All right, we're going to get him back because Mark actually, uh, RW Arms actually lost about $20 million, $20 million worth of bump stocks. And so they lost a lot. And so they're trying to get that back. They have a lawsuit against the federal government trying to claim some of that $20 million back. So definitely want to get Mark in here in this conversation and tell us about RW Arms and how does the Michael Cargill versus uh, Department of Justice Alcohol, uh, Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms affects his case as well. Um, but, but you know what? Michael, do you happen to know what, what district and circuit that case is in? Ooh. They're out of, you know what? They're out of Dallas. Okay, that so would thinking, that would definitely be in the Fifth Circuit. Yeah. But it, that might be the Northern District of Texas, I, might, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm thinking it's going to be... But if you are suing the federal government to try to get money, yeah. you can't just sue anywhere. You have to file your suit in a court in Washington called the Court of Federal Claims. Mm. And so it's perhaps possible that that's where they filed their suit. I don't know. Mm. Okay. okay. All right, we get him back. I definitely want to get Mark Maxwell in this conversation here. So I want to find out about his case, where it, where it stands. Uh, Mark, you may want to check your settings and make sure you're not muted or anything like that. So, you know, verify that because we can see you. We just can't hear you, Mark. All right, so, but you know what? I want to bring into the conversation Edwin Walker. Edwin Walker is the principal attorney for Texas U.S. Law Shield. Uh, so, Edwin, welcome to Come and Talk, sir. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Michael. I'm sure that you're still uh, what, walking about 10 feet in the air. You know, Edwin, I am on cloud nine right now. I can't believe this. I'm in shock. You know, when uh, when Rich actually sent me that email on Friday after 5 o'clock, you know, I literally, I was in a restaurant, and I ran out of a restaurant. They thought that... What's going on, Michael? Is the gun store getting robbed? You know, why are you running through the restaurant? <laughs> you know, I was actually in shock. I ran outside. I called, you know, you know, I called, you know, uh, Rich up. You know, I was calling my staff. And I was just going nuts. You know, people were started calling me. I was just, uh, it was just amazing. I was totally in yeah. shock. Well, you know, congratulations to you and, and your uh, counsel, who obviously did a superior job. Um, in this, I mean, a thirteen to three win is nothing to you know. That that's nothing to sniff at. That's that's that is significant. Yes, sure. And so, Edwin, I, I brought you in because I want you to tell us a little bit about the Chevron difference. You know, what is all of that about? Because this case had a lot to do about the Chevron difference. Oh, right, and you know, it sounds like um, your lawyer. I didn't hear the initial part of your show, but I'm sure your lawyer probably covered this. I, I, speaking from a political point of view. Um, the, the administrative state, basically the Chevron deference, 
is the to me it is the it is the basically the be all and end all of giving these administrative agencies power uh the case is from 1984 so it's what almost 40 years old now um the administrative state grew so much during the uh during the new deal and of course during Johnson's great society and you know we're taught in civics class that there are three branches of government the executive, the legislature, and the judicial branch. So the fact that the administrative branch has basically taken over running our government um, is quite concerning to freedom-loving people like you and me because the bureaucrats that generally – and I'm speaking generally, so I'm sure everybody can find an exception – but the bureaucrats who generally run these administrative agencies – are leftists. They are the deep state. The reason they go into this is because they're basically authoritarians. Mm. They want to have the ability to tell other people what to do, and not only that, to punish them either through you know punishing them financially or punishing them by ultimately you know hoping that they'll get prosecuted. So uh, believe me, I have been no fan of the administrative state. Even when I was a college student, I didn't want to work in the government. I didn't want to be a prosecutor. I didn't want to be any part of being part of an authoritarian regime that acted in this way. So mm. anytime the, the you know anytime the administrative state takes a hit, I it it's a great day for me. So what the Chevron deference is is basically it is a principle that the Supreme Court created in 1984 that said that uh, that the judicial branch has to defer to these administrative agencies uh, when they're in the process of interpreting a statute unless the Congress has specifically said the administrative agency can interpret the statute or the administrative agent – there's an administrative agency that's not in charge of interpreting the statute, tries to interpret it, or – that the uh, the interpretation or the rule is somehow not rational or unreasonable, and which whenever you're dealing with government action, when you're dealing with courts that that really love to protect government action, it is extremely hard to find a court that will find an administrative agency's actions to be irrational or unreasonable. And so basically, that's what they do. Now, the first step in which what's important in your case is that um, the the court said that the statute they're interpreting is not uh, is not ambiguous. It is unambiguous, and therefore, since it is unambiguous, the administrative agency doesn't have authority to step in and say, "Oh, well, we're going to we're going to fix this ambiguity in the statute." Um, and and I think that this you know your this opinion is fantastic, especially in the latter parts of the of the opinion where the where the court goes on to explain. You know why Chevron deference doesn't apply in your case, and even if it did, why it the government loses under Chevron deference? Uh, because uh, because I think that that will, in the event that this case does go to the Supreme Court, in the event that the case, you know, the Supreme Court uh, rules to to reinforce or uphold the the Fifth Circuit opinion, uh, that will go a long way, I think, holistically in turning back a lot of the authority of the administrative state. And so basically in a nutshell, that's what Chevron deference does is it's basically not only did you have the legislative body abdicate their their legislative responsibilities to the administrative agency, Chevron deference, which opinion was written by John Paul Stevens, who turned out to be, you know, a, a very, you know, left-leaning judge. In fact, he 
you know, if we all remember he came out and said that he wished that the Second Amendment would be abolished. So DeChevron was written by Justice Stevens. So not only did the legislative body abdicate their responsibilities to the administrative branch, the, the Chevron rule is basically the judicial body abdicating their responsibility to oversee the administrative state um, to the administrative state. So uh, Chevron's terrible case should have never come about, uh, but we've been living under its yoke for 40 years. And hopefully this is, you know, hopefully this is the, this is the snowball that creates the avalanche that will ultimately do away with it. Perhaps I'm being too optimistic. <laughs> yeah, because we're talking about triggers. We're talking about rare breed triggers. We're talking about AR pistols. We're talking about, you know, uh, braces and SIG braces. You know, we're talking all this stuff. All of a sudden, this stuff was legal for years, and now they're saying that is illegal. What we're talking about is we won the bump stock lawsuit. We won that that ban against the federal government, 13 to 3 against the Garland in the Fifth Circuit. This means that bump stocks will be legal if the government decides not to appeal and or ask for a stay in Texas, Mississippi, or Louisiana. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talkin'. And I get my global gun news from Michael Cargill on Come and Talk It. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. That's right. We're celebrating here in Austin, Texas and around the country. I'm getting calls from GOA, NRA. I'm getting calls from all the Second Amendment organizations around the country. They're ecstatic. They're excited. They're happy about what is going to come from this. And if we can get this case to the Supreme Court, that is the bump stock lawsuit. Michael Cargill versus the Department of Justice and the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms. If we get this case to the Supreme Court, this is going to mean this is going to be a domino effect around the country. That's right. That means that, man, RW Arms, we may get their $20 million back. That means rare breed triggers. They're going to stop messing with them. Stop trying to ban their triggers. We're talking about sticking it to the man. It's good every now and then, Zach, to stick it to the man. Does it feel good, Mike? It feels good every now and Just every once in a while, just, just mm, a little jab to the man. Yeah, you're smiling ear Come to on, ear. <laughs> That's right. All right, so we have we have on Skype, on phone, we have my attorney with NCLA, uh, Rich Samp. Rich, what do you have for us in closing about this lawsuit and, and how we're going forward here, Rich? And I'll let you let you go. Okay, I, I think one thing to remember is it's up to Congress to write the law. It's up to court to, to interpret that law. So it is always possible that uh, before we even get to the Supreme Court, there will be a move in Congress to rewrite the law and outlaw bump stocks. And I'm afraid there really isn't any argument under the Second Amendment that would protect the right to have bump stocks. But even if that were to happen, one could still uh, demand compensation for the period of time that bump stocks were improperly taken uh, uh, illegally by ATF. Well, let's not forget that that was actually put forward in front of Congress, I think, at least two times to ban bump stocks, but they chose not to move that forward. 
And that is right. why it was pushed down from the executive branch to try to get this agency, the ATF, to just kind of do it through rulemaking. And with the change of control in the House of Representatives, I think it's probably uh, unlikely that uh, uh, that they would move forward now. I agree with you. All right. Hey, thank The McCarthy holdouts, uh, that that's one of the concessions that they got, that there would be no anti-gun legislation that ever reaches the House floor. Mm, That's a good point. I'd I'd like to hope so, but I can't. (laughs) (laughs) You don't want to put your faith in Congress? I'm not going to hold my breath on that one. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Thank you, Rich. I want to thank you, sir, for taking your day out of your Sunday, uh, spending it with us, and talking about gun stuff. Really appreciate that. That's right. Yes, sir. That's Rich Samp. He's the attorney with NCLA, uh, representing me, uh, Michael Cargill, in the bump stock lawsuit. You know, Edwin, man, Edwin is the principal attorney with Texas U.S. Law Shield. Edwin, this is just crazy. Um, uh, we've got definition of the bump. We got de- definition of machine guns. You know, has been laid out. We got pictures, diagrams in this um, in this response from the Fifth Circuit. That is wild. Oh yeah, no your your opinion. Can we call it your opinion? Yes, sir. Your opinion. <laughs> your opinion was so much, and you know, of course, I'm biased. Uh, was so much. Uh, better written and laid out than all the other circuit courts' opinions. Um, basically, they just did what they've always done, is maintain the status quo, uphold whatever the government wants whenever it comes to the, you know, comes to the Second Amendment. So uh, so th- this opinion from the Fifth Circuit stands uh, stands head and heels over, uh, over the opinions from the Sixth Circuit, the Tenth Circuit, the D.C. Circuit, you know, anybody else who's weighed in on this. I think they couldn't have done a better job actually formulating and choosing their words very, very carefully. It's They, they did an amazing job. I agree. Hello? Hey. We yeah, all and, still there? Uh-huh. <laughs> and with RW Arms, uh, I believe uh, – it was something like 73,000 bump stocks had to be destroyed. Is that right? Yes, it was, actually. It was uh, 73, just over 73,000 initially. We then had other uh, retailers and distributors who sent them back into us. Uh, then on top of that, we had a, about 2,000 individual customers mail them back into us for that destruction. So a little over 75,000. Uh, here, 75,500, maybe 800 is a real number, and uh, and those were all destroyed uh, when that uh, that one fateful day where they came and it was eight truckloads full of palletized bum stocks that were taken to be destroyed. That was a that was definitely a a painful day for sure. So, can you tell me a little bit about how you immediately what you did to file your case and where it currently sits? Absolutely. So we um, we initially filed as a takings case. So there's only one circuit that can hear those large takings cases. It would be no different than a real estate or any other Fifth Amendment takings case. So ours is a little different than Michael's. Um, it was a legal product. It was taken uh, when they were legal. Uh, government actually did seize them from us uh, under armed guards. We had to pay to have them destroyed. But 
it was the government that came and seized them. At that point, uh, we filed uh, under a taking a circuit in the under the D.C. circuit. It then went up the chain, went to D.C. circuit, was thrown out, then was uh, reintroduced at the Supreme Court level. Uh, our petition to be heard was actually refused uh, this last session. There, there were two other cases that were injunctive cases that were thrown out. Well, you can't have an injunction on something that's already been completely destroyed. And so that really didn't have any uh, bearing on us, per se. But uh, what the, the reasoning behind not hearing our petition to be heard at the Supreme Court level this session was because of Michael Cargill's case right here. And they were waiting to see how it came back. And so we've been on uh, from Friday evening, Friday afternoon on, we've been on constant phone calls, figuring out exactly what the next steps are. So we're repetitioning the Supreme Court, which is the court we have to be heard in. And then uh, that'll be discussions through Solicitor General and uh, the DOJ at that point. Okay. Thanks for explaining that. All right. Nice. And um, man, Mark, what are we missing? Anything you want to talk about that we're missing at all? No, no, no. Thank you. I want to say thank you, first of all, for having me on, but more, uh, more so, I'd love to say thank you very much for pushing this through. I know that you've called me a couple times and we have, yeah, we've talked. We've talked a lot with our attorneys. Yeah, and I I appreciate every bit of that. Hopefully, our attorneys that are on our end are also helping y'all out as well with with all the complete case history with all that. But this is a confusing case when you've got an injunctive cases going on with um, DOJ, uh, and and then you've got your case for legality, and then you've got takings cases that all have the same exact ev- event that occurred it. It's just a very complicated case, and most people don't realize the multifaceted. Absolutely, and we're we're in this fight together. You know that's what people don't Absolutely. understand. Absolutely, you know we're all around the country. We're everywhere. We're spread out. We're traveling. We're doing stuff. You know the shot show is coming up here, and you know real soon. And right so, around the corner. yeah, right around the corner. And so this is going to be a topic at the shot show for sure. And so we're we're this is a tight knit close family, and it's amazing that. The majority of people that are pushing this fight are in Texas, the Lone Star State. True story. They are. <laughs> Boy, yeah. you going to learn today. That's right. Texas. Don't you forget that. Texas, baby. We're pushing this. You know, as goes in Texas, we'll go the rest of the country. That's right. Just so you know. Uh, we have RW Arms. We're talking about rare breed triggers. We have Texas U.S. Law Shield. You know, we're all right here in Texas, and we're pushing this fight. That is amazing. I'm just, I, I you know what? We're going to have a, a drink tonight to this. You know, thanks to the Texas gun laws, I can at least be .08. Right, Edwin? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> if I have an LTC, my light scary handgun, since I have my license, I can at least be .08. But you know what? I have a driver, Edwin. I'm not going to drive because you know what? I don't want anything to happen. I don't want if anything happens, something happens to me. All of a sudden, it's mysterious. You know, I love myself. There's, I'm not going to do anything to myself. You know, I'm not going to get Clinton or Henry, Henry, uh, Hillary Clinton or anything like that. You know, so anything happens, I'm telling you, you need to ask for an investigation because it's definitely on, sus. <laughs> it's definitely suspect. I'm telling you now. 
What are you going to say, Zach? You're going on record now. If something happens to you, the government did it. That's right. If something happens to me, you blame it on the government because I love myself. I'm not getting rid of myself. I'm not going to out myself. I'm not going to get rid of myself. And I, Epstein didn't kill himself. And that's right. That's right. <laughs> I'm letting we're you know. Gonna, we're not going to find. We're not going to find you in uh, Zilker Park. No. Leaned up against a stone or anything. Absolutely not. Because I know not to do that. I know to be where re re responsible people. You know, and all that good kind of stuff. So anything happens, definitely. Ask for an investigation. Ask for camera footage, uh, track traffic camera footage, <laughs> vehicle footage. Ask for everything because it's suspect, I'm telling you. If they could do it to Epstein, well, they do. could do it to you, too. Oh, don't say that, <laughs> Zach. Don't say that. I mean, honestly, I can't tell you how often I tell people, hey, I love myself. I've got a great marriage, a great family. <laughs> if anything suspicious happens to me, it wasn't me. <laughs> I'm telling you. Boy. I mean, we joke about it, but I tell people that quite often. <laughs> yes, I'm telling you. All right, so we come back from the break. We're going to talk about this. We got someone who's got all kinds of toys. He's got all kind of rare breed triggers, and he wants to talk about them. And you know what? We have his hero inside the studio. This is Michael <laughs> Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Yo, what's going on, guys? It's Jack Jones here, and I get my gun news from Michael Cargill on Come and Talk It. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. All right, we're back. We're talking about RW Arms. We're talking about rare breed triggers. Rare breed triggers. And we have Mark Maxwell on the phone. Mark, how you doing, sir? I'm doing great. All right, Mark, you have your business partner on the line. Can I introduce him, you know, and, and let's hear his story. So, when uh, we started RW Arms, we took over all products from Sidefire, Bump Fire Systems, and all the bump stock related items from Fostech, we consol consolidated all that. We did that with the help of my business partner, Mike Stewart, who's on the phone. Uh, he had been at the CFO level or production manager or operations manager level for 10 years prior with two different companies, one under Sidefire that he'll, he'll talk more about. But he's been on the ground level since day one with the uh, invention and the creation of the bump stock and understands the business and the legality and the fights that they've gone through for a lot longer than I've been around. Nice. So Mike Stewart, are you here with us? I'm here. What's up? Here. What's up, Mike? What's up guys. All right. So tell us, Mike, man, what's, you know, what's your story? How'd you get to where you are today? Oh, well, it all started back in a little town out here in Texas and uh buddy had an idea and, it just kind of blew up from there when bump stocks came around. So um, <clears throat> him and I were both in the military and just met back. He had an idea and it took off. Nice, nice. And tell us the ins and the outs or, you know, how, how did this stuff work? Because, you know, I, I've been telling people that, you know, for me, I actually have a metal plate with seven screws in my left wrist. You know, so I, I you know, I want to try the bump stock, you know, and, and try to use that to actually fire again. Yeah, well, you can do it with that. I mean, look at your, your uh, using the recoil and uh, to operate the, the the rifle. So, I mean, it's a, it's easier that way. But, I mean, most people overthink bump stocks and 
and uh, I think it's mechanical and stuff when it's not. It's You're taking your semi-automatic rifle, and you're uh, just using, harnessing the recoil to help you pull the trigger. That's all there is to it. Nice. Nice. Anybody got any questions for uh, for Mike there? What are you going to do with all that money? Ooh. <laughs> Man, I hope we win this. And this was an injustice from the beginning. Uh, I'm, fi- I'm glad finally the Fifth Circuit got it right. And uh, I, I I doubt this fight's over, but at least somebody got it right this time. It's uh it's still a semi-automatic rifle. Um, you take bump stocks away, you can still do this with your belt loop, with a rubber band, a broom handle. I mean, people have been doing this for ages and ages. The only thing bump stocks did was make it safe to do it. It's, mm. Basically, what they did is they, you know, you're driving a car, they said take the seat belt out. You know, <laughs> it, we just made it safer. You could shoulder the rifle and aim it and do it in a safe way but now they're saying hey yeah don't do it that way you know do it off your hip or use a shoestring or something it was absolutely ridiculous and and you you got some questions right uh well it, it, i have some questions i think i can i can aim that at, at, at lawrence that sort of parlay their well their way into bump stocks as well yeah go ahead i it, it's from a consumer standpoint it's interesting because what you said seventy three thousand of these bump stocks were were destroyed <laughs> Um, but and I don't know yeah, how many. It won't. I'm sorry. Go ahead. It wound up. It wound up being about seventy five thousand five hundred total for and, just through us. Right, and there, there's no telling how many were out there in the general public that were that either went underground or were destroyed, lost in the button accident. The number, yeah, the number was about one point two million. One point two million. With all, there oh. were four manufacturers, um, all under one license, and we estimate that there was about one point two million. The DOJ reports said there were, uh, Mike Stewart can probably correct me on this number, but somewhere between 380,000 and 530,000. Mm. But that number was grossly underestimated. Criminal. How does that not cross the threshold of common use with a number like that? Mm. You say communism? But common use. Oh, okay, just checking. You know, and is there, an ac- <laughs> is there an actual number that they base common use on? It's arbitrary, it, it appears. You know. Mm. That's just that's just crazy to me. That's so criminal. That's just criminal. Could agree more. Just criminal. How do you, you know, how do you turn that many American citizens into criminals overnight? Go ahead. Someone's talking in the background. I was going to say without even legislation or anything, just by the, you know. Executive you take fiat. Take a cycle in Vegas that did something that was heinous, stupid, that we can all agree with that should never happen. But instead of blaming the person, they take it like they always do. They say this is a rifle, and of course, you know, they had to go against the bump stocks, which is, it just blows my mind they keep doing it. You know, you got millions of people killed every year by drunk drivers, but nobody's blaming, blaming Chevrolet, Ford, Toyota, whatever company you want. If, or, you know, they say the guy's an idiot, should have been drink, drunk driving. But, you know, when it comes to guns, they're very biased and attack the gun every time. Mm. But Mike, Mike, you can remember as we went through this, there was a one of the initial cases was out of Vegas, and they ruled that a bump stock was not an accessory. Mm. They ruled it was a component, mm. so it gave because it's it's just a replacement stock, and due to it being a component, uh, got a different um, uh, protections other than accessories. So at least we did have that ha- that that did happen in everyone's favor early on, mm. and uh, and Mike Sir, you may not have heard, but the gentleman who was just talking just a minute ago uh, is with Rare Breed Triggers, and uh-huh. then uh, Michael Cargill. What you don't may not know 
is the inventor and the gentleman who owns SB Tactical lives right there in Austin as well. Whoa, say that again now. Do you know the 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 inventor of the pistol brace and the largest manufacturer of pistol braces, SB Tactical, lives right there in Austin as well? No, don't say that. Don't say that. I'm dead, <laughs> I'm dead serious. Not Austin. No. Well, we're we're I'm, all. I'm from Austin. You mean tell me we're sitting at the red light together and don't <laughs> even all, know it? And I had no clue. We're passing. Thought, we're passing each other thought, on I-35 on 360 <laughs> and don't even we, know it. And I thought the rare breed trigger guys were all, were all out of Florida. Austin, Texas, baby. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> come on. Don't tell me this. We're going to come up with a Texas man in a minute, like Florida man. <laughs> I wow. love it. Oh, wow. That's that's wild. It's, it, I'm telling you, what starts here in Texas changes the world. We're going to we're going to make a difference here. We're building an alliance. We're building uh, we're, we're, we're we have a movement that's going forward and we're, we're going against the federal government. We're going to make a change. It's going to be a change for the entire United States. I'm well, telling I, you right now. I can definitely tell you, I feel like we've got some momentum. Yes. Um, I felt like that we had momentum before your win last week. Yes. But I think your win has just pushed it even further yes the momentum's picking up and i i truly feel that if we can get this in front of the supreme court they're going to knock it out of the park i think the supreme court is currently you know postured and 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 it's it's ready for to make a decision it's like this it puts a whole new meaning to praise the lord and pass the ammunition true story a whole (laughs) new meaning i'm telling you now so do we believe that they're going to fight this to the Supreme Court or are they going to yes. let the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals let it lie and that's the ruling? We were talking about this last night. So I was you know, having drinks and so we we're discussing this over drinks. And it's like, does the federal government, are they going to allow Texans, <clears throat> Louisianians and Mississippians to have their bump stocks back? Or are they going to fight this across the entire United States? So I think they're going to fight it. I, I you know, I'm torn on that one. I'm sitting on the fence because if, if you we're being want, honest. Do you want Texans to have their bump stock? Texans. Well, I think One of the know. largest states, the most populated, one of the most populated states in the United States to have the bump stocks. I think they we know they're up for most. a losing. Uh, I think they know they'll lose at the Supreme Court. Mm. So then what? Like, I, what do they What do they do then? I think they're going to fight it. Mm. I, I mean, of course we know they're, that we know. I mean, I feel pretty confident we could choose where, where, which way the votes are going to go at the Supreme Court level, and they've got to know that too. Right. Yeah. And, and this, isn't about, this isn't about cyclic rape. This isn't about guns. Wow. If this makes it to the Supreme Court, this is about separation of power. Mm. And, I, and it's about, like, I, honestly, it's deference and separation of power. Those are the really, and those are kind of, uh, you know, uh, the same issue. Mm-hmm. So I truly feel that if it gets to the Supreme Court, they're not making a decision about guns. But I feel like it's it it's a losing fight for the DOJ and the ATF to take this to the Supreme Court, and I think they've got to know that. So, I, you know, I I don't I don't know, and I get that. there's a lot a lot of people more you know smarter than I am on this subject, but I don't know how how they win at the Supreme Court level. They've got to know that. Mm. Especially in the wake of Bruin and West Virginia versus EPA, which right? Seem like redundancies to take this particular case up to the court, and they'll be like, "We've already addressed this." Right, but now they'll address it on its face. Mm-hmm. Mm. What do you think, Zach? Yeah, I got uh, high hopes. 
You got high hopes? Why? Because uh, I like the stuff, you know? <laughs> I know. You know, I'm just thinking, you know. It's just a piece, right? I, I, I'm it rooting, doesn't fit the statutory definition. I'm rooting for the people that, you know, that lost theirs in their boating accidents. I'm rooting for the people, you know, that <laughs> lost theirs in a hunting accident. I'm rooting for the people that, you know, all of a sudden one day they woke up and it was just missing. <laughs> you, know? you know, Zach just referenced the definition. This doesn't meet the statutory definition. And we've only got a few seconds before we go to break. Yeah. When we come back, I'd like to talk about the definition. Mm-hmm. All right. We come back from the break. We're talking with RW Arms. We're talking about ra- we're talking with rare breed triggers. We're talking about bump stocks. We're talking about, you know, keeping the federal government at bay. We're talking about beating the man. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Hi, this is Stephen Wolliford, the Barefoot Defender. I get my global gun news from Michael Cargill at Come and Talk It. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. All right, we're back and we're talking about the bump stock lawsuit. We're talking about, we're talking with Rare B Triggers. We're talking with RW Arms. Uh, we're discussing all this stuff. We're breaking it down. We're making alliances here. We're, we're, we're forming a battleground. We're actually forming a, we're bringing the fight to the man. That's what I'm trying to tell you. You know what? Basically, what I'm trying Come to say is you're going to learn today. Because <laughs> we're, we're we're making this fight, we're bringing it to him. And like I said in an interview I did like four years ago, I said, you know what? When you come after the Second Amendment, I'm gonna put my foot on your throat. <laughs> I can't believe I said that. I was looking, I was listening to that video, Zach, and I was like, wow, I must have been really angry at that <laughs> that day. <laughs> when yeah. I, listened, I was like, whoa, I was really angry. Because for me to say put my foot on someone's throat, man, I was really mad. Um, all right, so you were talking about um, definition. Definition. Go ahead. All right, so I can definitely relate to you being angry. Um, I have been really angry since we received a cease and desist from the ATF over our product. Yeah, because you guys are getting screwed. Oh, yeah. And the first video I put out, you know, it was we did it professionally, and I, I was so angry. I think my veins in my neck were popping out, and I was, like, spitting as I'm, you know, putting out this video and you know we've been in litigation for quite a while now but there's something that i like to say and i say it a lot and your decision friday out of the fifth circuit i feel like it confirms this analogy that i use and what i say all the time is when congress made the definition defined what a machine gun is they painted a box Mm. and they said all right if you stay within this box, you've got a semi-automatic. And if you step out of this box, now it's a machine gun. Mm. So we brought a forced reset trigger to market. And as the law is written, it is black and white, clear as day. Mm. It is a semi-automatic trigger mm. as the statute is written. So what did they do? They changed the definition and made the box smaller. Mm. So what do they do? All right, so it was single function of the trigger. Then it was... It's funny you say that because I remember Judge Oldham, uh, Oldham on the uh, Fifth Circuit, he kept asking that question. You know, is it the 
single function of the trigger. Right. The trigger. He kept saying trigger. Right. And I just it just it it just ring in my ear. Trigger. So what the ATF has done is they added single pull of the trigger. Well, function and pull aren't the same thing. Function is what an item does. An item functions. It's no different than a door. You open and shut the door. Well, how does that door open? Well, you pull it open and you push it shut. But the door functions. Now, the pull is input of the shooter. Mm. So it was single function of the trigger to single pull of the trigger to single continuous pull of the trigger. And it is, well, single pull of the trigger and analogous motions. So when an item didn't fit the definition, the statutory definition, they changed it. Mm. And they changed it. And they changed it. Now, they can't do that. And the Fifth Circuit has said, hey, you don't get to do that. But Something that I think is really important is that they, the Fifth Circuit specified very, very clearly the difference between function and pull. So I'm going to read a quote, and then we can talk about it a little bit, but this is, quote, The statutory definition of machine gun utilizes a grammatical construction that ties the definition to the movement of the trigger itself and not the movement of a trigger finger. Nor do we rely on grammar alone. Context firmly corroborates what grammar initially suggests by demonstrating that Congress knew how to write a definition that is key to the movement of the trigger finger if it wanted to, but it did not. The government offers nothing to overcome this plain reading so that we are obliged to conclude that the statutory definition of machine gun unambiguously turns on the movement of the trigger and not the trigger finger. Now that is crucial to understand. And further, it goes on to talk about reset. And, you know, it talks in, I don't want to get too far in the weeds, but when it's defining, it, it defines what a machine gun is, but it also helps define in this decision what a machine gun isn't. But when it's talking about a machine gun, it says, it, it talks about the auto seer, and then it says that the trigger must remain depressed. Well, ours does not. It also Mm. talks about reset. So in a forced reset trigger, it is only one round per rearward function of the trigger. Like a binary, it's got a round on the rearward function of a trigger and the forward function of the trigger. Mm. And the ATF has ruled that that is okay. But we're talking about the rearward function of the trigger and then it is forced into a reset, and the trigger and hammer are reset between every round that is fired. Mm. So it is one round per rearward function of the trigger. And I feel like this decision that came out on Friday could not be any better to help our case moving forward. RW Arms, you know, what do you guys say to that? No, I agree. We've been close partners with Fostech for a long time, and when we're talking about the Obviously, any functionality of the trigger, we get brought into that discussion. Um, Just because our forward motion pulls the trigger into the finger, it doesn't change the definition at all, Uh, whether it's a binary uh, force reset. We're going to put that in the same, same context. I think we've all seen the videos, and we agree that it's not a continual hold of a trigger the finger is moving Mm -hmm. 
And right? even if it were, even if it were a continual hold of the trigger, and I'm not saying it is, but even if it were, Friday's decision says it doesn't matter what your finger does. <laughs> it's what the trigger does. Is the trigger functioning rearward and forward? It doesn't matter about the shooter's input on that trigger. Hmm. Well, I, I would say that Michael Cargill's case on Friday helps you out tremendously. Agreed. But let me let, let me be very clear that we really agree it helps us out even more. And that's going to be a trickle-down effect for all of these different cases that are being heard and the ones that aren't even filed. When you said that they've already allowed binary triggers to be com completely illegal. If people don't think they're going after those next, they they don't understand the steps that the ATFs are already taking. Well, so, you know, it's, you're, something, you're... it's something that I say all the time. Like if they really wanted to, what would stop them from just saying any AR-15 in existence isn't readily convertible to be a machine gun? They could make that argument. Yeah. But I think... Michael's decision on Friday, I think it's if it's if it's not full brakes, then it's absolutely a speed bump. It is going to slow them down. It's going to give them pause. It's going to have them go back to the whiteboard and figure out like, hey, we've got to rethink, rethink, rethink their attack on on the Second Amendment. Hey, Marks, what do you get? Mark, what do you guys have in, uh, to say in closing? You know, uh, not much. Just pay attention to see what happens. Uh, we truly believe the Solicitor General is going to reach out and talk to us privately. I don't think they want our case to set precedence <laughs> as a takings case. So I, my gut feeling is they don't want yours to set precedence as well. Uh, I, I hope it does, even though it'll take a little longer for things to work out. I think it'll make all of our cases and all of our fights uh, that, that are individual and simultaneously happening. Uh, I think it'll make them all stronger. But at the end of the day, once the Solicitor General, uh, you know, Barr isn't in office anymore, who was a staunch, you know, um, I don't know, enemy of ours, let's, right. for lack of better words. Right. So, you know, right now we're just going to watch and see what happens, uh, follow our attorney's leads and, you know, obviously all of our attorneys have been working closely together. So but let's see where that goes. And, and you know, Mike Stewart was nice enough to come uh, leave some family events in West Texas today. I'm out in in uh, California, the national championship game with TCU versus Georgia's tomorrow. So I'm out here in California. Go TCU. <laughs> it's no going to be a fun one. That's going to be a fight um, at the house when I get there. <laughs> Mike Stewart, are you still on here? Do you have anything to add? I just want to say, you know, I, I appreciate y'all's effort in the case that you won. I mean, we've all got to stand together because if we give them an inch, they're going to take a mile. And we all got to keep fighting this battle for our Second Amendment because they're coming after it more and more every day. And and uh, we just got to stick together on this and, and do what's right because it is right. That's right. First, they came for the socialists, and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I didn't speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews. I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. I'm not waiting for that moment. We're speaking now. We're taking the fight to the man. We're taking it now. As always, more guns 
equals less crime. You go out there and you buy yourself a gun. You will listen to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty-five dollars per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.